Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis Podcast Show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Ronnie Landis is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. He brings on some of the world's leading thought leaders to deliver to you the most cutting-edge information and unique perspectives so you can create the life of your dreams. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Aloha, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And as always, I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I am also the founder of the Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is my online holistic nutrition certification course, which is designed to take a student from the basics of natural nutrition all the way to the most cutting-edge areas of integrative health and lifestyle transformation. This program is really unlike anything else that's ever been available on the internet featuring a comprehensive 70-video lesson curriculum, 55 bonus videos, a student community support group, and a monthly live video training with me personally, which is like doing a coaching session with me and hundreds of students from all over the world each and every month. This program has received incredible reviews and feedback from students of all backgrounds and all educational levels, such as the budding health experts and professionals to longtime holistic wellness enthusiasts, all the way to the complete beginner. There seems to be a lot here to offer to virtually everyone who has a keen interest in learning how to optimize their body, mind, and spirit through redesigning what they believe is possible, not only for their health, but ultimately for their life and the lives of those around them. And one more thing that sets this course apart from all others is that once you enroll, there are no hidden fees, no limitations on the content that you can access up front, and no time restrictions. This means that once you purchase the program, it is yours period. End of story. There's no six or 12 month time limitations with a continuation fee waiting for you at the end. This is a go at your own pace course that you can continue to access as a lifelong resource that will prove to be an investment into your education, into your health and into your personal growth that will bear fruit for years to come. So you can find more information and enroll into the Holistic Health Mastery Program at www.holistichealthmastery.com. Okay, so let's jump headfirst into today's show. And this is a very special show for me for a number of reasons. One of them is that this is episode 80. That's eight zero. I started this podcast a little under a year ago in Kauai, Hawaii, and it was just based on an inspiration to consolidate all the amazing contacts and access that I have in the health world, the entrepreneurial world, the personal development world, and just bring a catalog of some of the most incredible thought leaders entrepreneurs and really just superheroes that I have access to throughout all my networks 
of just running around the world and being in the speaking circuit and being on social media for as long as I have been and as full on as I have been, uh, I just felt it was time to bring it together. And so now we are releasing episode 80. It's, it's so ridiculously amazing to think about the journey that's happened just in a short amount of time. But anyways, this episode in particular is near and dear to my heart, and it's such an honor to be able to share it with everybody because I get to bring on for the second time probably the most influential person in my professional life at this point who is David Avocado Wolf. And those who know me very well know the kind of journey that I've had with his material, with him on a personal level, on a professional level. What a lot of people out there that have been following me for a while don't know is that David was actually the catalyst for me to go full on into my profession as a professional nutritionist, as a holistic health orator, as a speaker, and really to dive deeper than I've ever given myself permission to do on the level that I'm inspired to go every single day. In fact, whenever I listen to David speak, he just exudes this depth. He exudes this this like visceral, this, this finger on the pulse of whatever he's talking about that inspires me to go deeper, to, to increase my understanding, to increase the circumference of my worldview in which I'm looking at any particular subject that I would speak about and educate people about. It actually just inspires me to be a better researcher and to be a better educator and a better role model in the work that I do. And uh, there's a lot of stories I could actually tell about David and just some of the conversations that we've had over the years. I have to attribute David largely with helping me launch my career. There was one conversation that we had Um, I know I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a side from the topics on this interview, but there was one moment about five years ago, and I know it was five years ago because I just got the Facebook notification. You know, on Facebook, they have those uh, pictures when it's been like three or four or five years of you with somebody else, and it was me and David sitting at the women's conference. I think it was the first women's conference that was ever um, that he ever uh, started um, as part of the longevity conference. We're sitting in the back, and I remember that day specifically because at the end of the day, him and me were sitting down, and he told me in no uncertain terms that it was kind of time for me to step up in this field and really, really just step up and really be the the figure that I was kind of dabbling with to really step up and step out in the in the the I guess the mainstream or just really just to activate my empowered genius and I remember him him kind of alluding to passing the torch to me in some way and it just felt like that was the moment where like I felt so empowered and I felt like it's time to go that was about five years ago and so I really just respect David on so many different levels this interview was monumental I mean, I knew it would be, but there was an organic flow to it as always. And we went into so many directions that I have never really heard David get into on podcasts. I've heard him talk about many of these things in lectures or in personal conversations one-on-one. 
but we got to bring out some of these topics out to the public and we explore the fringes and some things that we, it's kind of like this interview is kind of like a, a roller coaster. We go, we kind of ascend up slowly, slowly, and then we warm up and then we hit a peak. And then once we go, we go straight down and we twist and turn and, and then it kind of kind of balances out into this really amazing inspirational conclusion to just really amazing adventure which is this conversation i think you guys are going to get so much out of this it's ridiculous i'm so excited to share all the all the amazingness of this conversation with all of you out there listening so i'm going to stop yapping here without further ado Enjoy this profound conversation between myself and David Avocado Wolf. David Avocado Wolf is the rock star in Indiana Jones of the Superfoods and Longevity Universe, the world's top CEOs, ambassadors, celebrities, athletes, artists, and the real superheroes of this planet, which would be moms, all look to David for expert advice in health, beauty, herbalism, nutrition, and chocolate. With over 22 years of dedicated experience and having hosted over 2,750 live events, David has led the environmental charge for radiant health via a positive mental attitude, eco-community building, living spring water, and the best ever quality organic foods and herbs. Thank you so much for joining me, David. Thank you so much, Ronnie. How are you? I'm doing so good. Uh, things are going a million miles an hour. As I know, that's pretty much the pace that you've been going at the last 20 years. So I'm just kind of like getting started with my momentum. But uh, things are going great. I'm super excited to be here with you, most of all. Fantastic. We're going to have a great conversation. Great to catch up. It's been a while. It has, yeah. And I always value the the little synchronicities that lead us to one another, whatever, wherever it is, like on the big island, it's in Kauai, it's in somewhere in Los Angeles, it's one of your conferences. It's always amazing to catch up with you and to kind of feel the vibe that you emanate. That's one of the things that um, that I noticed from you over the years. Like I really pay attention, I think, to the consistencies and that's the most consistent thing I've seen from you over the years, whether it's been personally or it's been professionally. You emanate this vibe, and I guess that's the whole idea of the best day ever, right? Like you literally, even if maybe secretly you're not having the best day ever, it seems like you're having the best day ever. Well, I always, I always feel like at any moment it, it could flip, even if the day is not going well and incredible things can happen. That's happened before many times in my life, and and thanks for feeling the vibe. Um, one of the things I'm really into, as you know, is doing what I love to do, which is grow cacao trees and grow all these superfoods and super herbs and foods that we love to talk about. Mm-hmm. So that when you're in that state of doing what you love to do all the time, you do emanate a vibe. It's a, it's a vibe of being congruent, Ooh. and it's a, um, it's a vibe of fulfillment. Mm, you just said something really I, – I didn't expect it, but I'm so glad you said it because this has been the thing that – I've been looking at in my own life of this idea of congruency and how when we're not congruent, it actually throws off everything emotionally. This has been my experience anyways of like 
of of being so deep in my personal path where I have been incongruent in certain areas and I felt like the emotional kind of conflict that's come from it and then I also felt like what you just said about how it can turn when I come back into alignment when my thoughts words and deeds come back into alignment everything seems to just kind of open up from there absolutely there's no you know somebody asked me the other day about synchronicity and about the holy flow and it's it's a momentary experience if you were able to stay in it all the time, maybe you'd be one of the enlightened masters. My feeling is it's more like surfing a wave. You're in the holy flow for a, a period of time. You're riding that wave. You try to stay on that wave, and then eventually the wave either dissipates or you get thrown off, or you try some crazy trick to try to really drive it to the next level, and, yes. and you get you know knocked off your board. That is an incredible analogy. I um, I remember. A couple of years ago, there was an after party for the longevity conference at Revolution, and you 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 gave like a five minute kind of speech. But one of the things you you were talking about Howard Stern, and you were talking about one of the things that you picked up from Howard Stern was his ability, I guess, to like to like uh, how do you say like take risks, right? Like he would just up the ante, and I really that kind of stuck with me, like. Not that I really pay that much attention to Howard Stern, but the idea that you were talking about really stuck with me of this idea of like what you just said. It was like you you try to you try to, uh, you know, if you're on that holy flow, you're hitting that wave. It's like that moment of opportunity to take it to another level presents itself. I just think that's really fascinating. That came up yesterday. A friend of mine, Justin Boa, famous artist, mm-hmm. you know who Justin is. Yep. His daughter, Akira, is a world-class jiu-jitsu practitioner. She's won a dozen tournaments. I mean, she's just unbelievable. She wins her weight class and the weight class above her, and usually the weight class above that. And uh, we were talking about how to improve her game yesterday when I was on the phone with Justin, and and that's what came up was we need to get her to be able to take a risk to go for a really incredible move when she's going to win anyway. Um, she's got to take the risk to go for something really extraordinary. To, that's that's her next step. That's that's how she's going to get her game up. Even though she could even lose by by taking that chance, she needs to be able to risk it. Oh, oh, that was a sweet spot you just hit right there. Where she could like she's going to win the match anyways, right? So it's like oh, you could just have an easy win, or you could go for the golden ticket, so to speak, and you could lose. Yet you could do something extraordinary and take your game to the next level. I'm sure that's Howard Stern's secret. Is yeah. he he takes a good thing, things are going some good. There's good comedy, people are engaged, and he'll risk to take it to a higher level. Yeah. So, so basically, not settling for less than. Yeah, we're not settling for just an easy win, or just not not, not settling for the normal, but yeah. being willing to go for the extraordinary. Yeah, I feel I feel like that's what you've really kind of exemplified, at least to me. And I I know I'm you know there's probably hundreds of thousands of other people that feel the same way about what makes your what you what makes you unique because there's so many people out there, David, as you know, talking about nutrition. I'm obviously one of them. And as I explore my own uniqueness, what separates me from other people? What, what, what makes me unique? As I explore that, I also observe in other people that I look up to, such as yourself, well, what's made them unique in their approach? And that's what I feel like you've been doing in, in so many different ways because you were promoting 
a message around health and nutrition before it ever became popular. And I feel like that's probably one of the, you know, we're going to dive more into this. I'm going to expand upon this in the questions I have for you, but I just want to even like set the vibrational tone with that. I, I feel like, you know, that the world is kind of coming around to our position. It wasn't necessarily a popular position 20 something years ago. And, you know, I started out those lectures in those health food stores with four people in the audience and just worked it from there, as you know. And it's our time now. So we, we're lucky and fortunate to be in the right place at the right time and to have worked hard to get the message now to a point where people are listening. And if I put, like, for example, on Instagram, I'll always put out there the things that really turn me on, like wild food foraging in the middle of the jungle. And people are open to that now. I mean, people were not even thinking that that was even an option 20 years ago. I'm talking like mainstream, you know, people, for example, you come to Hawaii, you can eat all the strawberry guavas you want Mm. in the universe. And it's all wild. It's all real food. It's all delicious food. Now I'm seeing that people are open to doing that. They're not just willing to go to a store and go, Oh yeah, this is, you know, this is what we eat. They're willing to actually take it to the next level and eat that avocado off the side of the road. Totally. I, <laughs> you just reminded me of memory, many memories in Kauai of doing just that. <laughs> um, cool. So here's how I want to start this. Um, I had Dr. Gabriel Cousins on for the second time a couple weeks ago on this podcast. And one of the things I was sharing with him was that when I started this particular part of my journey, when I really got real with myself and realized like I actually wanted to take my health and nutrition, I guess, obsession to a professional level and be a speaker, there were three books I credit to really getting me to starting on this journey and actually creating a career around it. And those three books were Spiritual Nutrition by Dr. Gabriel Cousins, A Diet for a New America by John Robbins, and The Sun Food Diet Success System, which I do in all honesty and all sincerity, that is one of my absolute favorite books, Under the Sun. Um, And so my question with that is... I'm really curious, like, what are some of the big paradigm shifts, um, even philosophical adjustments or just simple adjustments in your personal approach that you've made since releasing the last edition of that book? Well, I need to go back and read the last edition of that book. It's been a while. People remind me all the time. They they will bring up certain parts and pieces, and I do need to make some adjustments to that book, actually, some editor adjustments. The next time around, I need, I need to take a note on that. There's great stuff in there. For example, the sun gazing, the breathing stuff that I still do to, today, the wild food stuff. I just last night was writing a whole piece on avocados and olives, which yeah. is there's a whole piece in the sun food diet about avocados and olives. The um, mind over matter stuff, the very beginning six chapters and about getting your head on straight and about understanding that attitude creates aptitude and that the way you're thinking about things is going to determine how those things turn out. That's still an everyday occurrence and that's crossing my mind every day. Uh, It's hard to imagine there's anything in that book that I don't agree with today. There's a strong vegetarian message in that book, which, you know, I've been a vegetarian for 30 years and, uh, and that feels great. You know, I don't eat with, with, um, killing involved and, and that makes me feel good. And, and that's, that's 
by the way, what it's all about for me, you know, people say, um, you know, what about deer antler? It's like, well, I don't take deer antler very much, hardly ever at all. But if I do, I know where it comes from and I know it didn't kill the animal to get it. And I do believe over the years that I've learned that what we really need is plant-based diet with animal foods to keep us in balance instead of the other way around, which is animal foods with plants to keep us in balance, right? That's, that's kind of what we've been sold. Eat the plants first, and then if you really get out of balance being too vegetarian or vegan, then use animal foods. Yeah. And then if you can, use animal foods that, are, that can be procured without killing, which is a very important nuance and a, and a nuance in vegetarianism that I like to bring out because somebody could say they're a vegetarian – but they're eating GMO food and they're eating factory farm cheese and that kind of thing. So we, we just want to bring that next level quality up, which is also a very important part of the sun food diet is uh, an analysis and understanding what quality really is. What does organic really mean? What is wild food? Why is it better for you? What, what happens when you create food forests over decades of time and what's the feeling of that? Because that since the sun food diet has been written – 20 years ago, we've created, I think my organization, the Fruit Tree Planting Foundation has been responsible for at least 600,000 trees going into the ground, probably more like a million if I count the stuff that isn't officially recognized. And there's a feeling you get from that. So there's a difference in, in that level of fulfillment of, you know, here we are 20 years later, what's happened over that time. And one of the things that's happened is a lot of that material that's in that book has been acted upon for decades now, and uh, and now I feel the results. Mm, that's an incredible answer. Um, you know, what that book, I have to say, like, what makes that book so unique for me personally is that, well, that was the book that really inspired me about becoming a raw foodist in the first place. I mean, it was different than... It was different than um, something like Spiritual Nutrition or other great books on the subject. It, there was a visual aspect that captured my imagination. And there was like a spiritual impulse that kind of emerged through me where I realized that this wasn't just about some little diet. Like this captivated something within me that I realized like, wow, this is a part of a spiritual um, trajectory that I didn't even know about until I opened up the the chapters. And one of the great chapters that I was reading the other day was the one on the inverse paranoid. I love that chapter. What a great chapter. It's a favorite. Yeah. Like literally no matter what is happening in my life, Avo, like I could be going through some mental gymnastics of like some kind of suffering I'm creating in my own life, um, which just seems to be the theme. Um, and I just open up that chapter right there and I'm reminded about a divine principle that the universe is actually conspiring for my good when the world around me might have me believe the opposite. So really powerful. That's the, that's the inverse paranoid that instead of being paranoid, you reverse it and you be a pro pronoid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's such an important, I mean, just such an important thing. And, and just on that, that note, before we jump into the next set of questions here, I just think that's so important as a concept for everybody, because as you know, when you and me first connected all those years back, and I, I remember the first thing I came to you about at the longevity conference, I, I kind of pulled up next to you and you're signing a book. And I took that opportunity to ask you about like, like, look, like I'm, I'm kind of confused about what's going on in the vegan world or the raw food world. It was, it was something that was bothering me because I just saw so many, like, I don't know, I guess like hatred or anger being thrown all over the place. And I didn't know that that was like 
part of that whole thing. I thought it was all like kind of love and light and roses and, and flowers and all that kind of thing. So it kind of made me realize like, wow, there's a strong kind of mental holding pattern present in the nutrition circle. And so from that perspective, like just, just for everyone listening, how important is it that we take like an inverse paranoid type of perspective when we're, we're upgrading our health? Well, it's essential. It's essential to actually become a pronoid or, or an inverse paranoid because it's the, it's reality. Right. The universe is always conspiring in, in your favor. It's what's happening every day, all day long. God's trying to save you all day long or the higher power or your higher wow. self or nature or whatever your interpretation of the divine spark. So it's what's real. And when, as soon as you tune into what's real, then you realize, oh, I'm, I'm being told to go get a colonic. I'm being wow. told to eat organic. I'm be, you, know, you, you start to put the clues together of the messages that are coming at you. So we live in a very distorted type of situation. I, I would even say a satanic situation yeah. where we've gone so far against the divine spark and against God. We don't even realize that day to day, moment to moment – we're we're being saved at all times. The, the foods and herbs we need are growing right around us. They're growing out of the sidewalk in front of our house. The trees that we need, you know, to, to protect us, or the bark that we need to eat, is growing in the front of our street. It's like that. Wow. And and so it's just an awareness that we come out of this. And, and I say the word I use is it's satanic or, or whatever. It's some kind of a um, anti life, anti um, health anti-natural, anti-normal, anti-instinct, anti-intuition, mm. pro-materialism, pro-mechanistic, pro-anti-compassion um, energy that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis and that we we're all raised in because the default religion of our society is scientism, yeah. which is this thing, belief that science is going to save us. So even though doctors are the third leading cause of death in hospitals and, and pharmaceuticals, third leading cause of death, you're telling me we're still going to go that way. We're still going to believe that that's going to save us. I mean, it's just completely ridiculous. Science has polluted the whole earth, fracked the whole central valleys of, of the North American continent, ruined the aquifers probably forever. But we're still going to go – science is still going to save us. This kind of stuff is, is very damaging to our health, and that's what we're coming out of. So we're coming, becoming awake coming out of that programming. And one of the ways to awaken yourself is the inverse paranoid to realize, Oh, it's not a mechanistic and mechanical world. It's not a materialistic world. There are messages coming in from higher powers, higher sources, mm-hmm. ourself or higher self, whatever it is, nature, whatever you want to say. And they can be followed synchronistically to a better life. Ooh, it's so, it's so fascinating. Um, it, it seems like what you kind of tuned me into the Rudolf Steiner perspective on the aromonic deception or illusion, which is basically just stripping any iota of spirituality from pretty much everything. And that's what we have like a hyper materialistic scientistic or scientism kind of like paradigm or religiosity when it comes to our life. And I feel like that really right there is actually the, um, how do you say like, that is actually the deal. What you just said, everything you just said right there to me personally, my own experience is the deal is it's the stripping of spirituality 
in in really just creating like a you know like an artificial virtual reality um which is based on materialism but has nothing to do with any kind of spiritual direction I want to want to mention this too you know in our ways of knowing instinct is a way of knowing intuition is a way of knowing feelings are ways of knowing the scientific method is a way of knowing but the scientific method is not attached to a religion it is not attached to a belief system right. you can use the scientific method whether you believe in evolution or not whether you believe we're spinning on a ball in the middle of nowhere or not whether you believe the big bang or not the scientific method has been hijacked by a materialistic mechanistic Aramonic system of materialism that is basically fundamentally it's scientism. It's been hijacked by a religion. And that religion is exactly doing exactly what you're talking about. It's stripping away spirituality. It's it's hiding God. And they wow. will hide God. This system is so bent on hiding higher power, God, nature, source energy, universe, whatever you want to call it, that they will actually hoax and fake in order to solidify a belief system that will um, allow you to break out of that belief system. So they're going to – if evidence shows up that will allow you to break out of that materialistic, mechanistic belief system, these people, these scientism clergy, these fanatics will hoax and perform hoaxes in order to keep you in that belief system. For example, mm. the um, one of my favorite books is Forbidden Archaeology by Michael Cremo. Right. In that book, he dissects the entire theory of evolution from top to bottom. Every single piece of evidence that's been presented to us is to indicate evolution is going on, and it refutes it piece by piece by piece methodically. So what you realize from reading a book like that is not only are we dealing with very, very bad science, we're dealing with outright hoaxing and fakery. And this is the thing, Ronnie, that we are coming to to a realization about, and that is not only are we given a fake religion, scientism, it we've been lied to about science, about the indications of what the scientific method yes. has has brought to us. Oh. Yes, yes, and yes, and this is, I mean. It's such a deep, dug down, rich subject, and you pretty much are laying it out for everyone. Everyone that really feels that impulse, the same that I felt the first time I heard you talking about this, and really when I saw the first presentation that you did at the Women's Conference for vaccines, I think I watched that four or five times over and over because it hit me so hard like nothing else I've ever kind of really felt like the if like the implications the reality the disillusion of a false agenda that people just accept they just say okay oh it's it, it's science oh it's it, the the surgeon general said it's okay it's 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 you know whatever this the story is right um and i can actually feel myself getting emotional even thinking about it um and so I'm going to kind of I'm going to kind of pivot off from there. But I just want to kind of say that because everything if anyone's listening to this and you're feeling some kind of way about it, I really just I just I just ask that you investigate anything that comes up for you, because one of the things I get from you, David, that really continues to inspire me to be a better researcher of my own experience is that's pretty much what you do. You investigate the fringes of consciousness and the fringes of reality and health, and, and you dig down deep into it. 
And that's what I respect about you. Oh, sorry. I think I had it on mute. Um, one of the things that I love to do is to investigate the fringes of reality because that's where magic is to be found in areas of synchronicities. Synchronicity can't be repeated. It can't. It's not scientific because it can't be repeated, but it is real. So in case you're caught up in scientism and believe that science is going to explain everything, science cannot, by definition, explain a synchronicity because it's not repeatable. Yes. <clears throat> Another thing about this, too, is we, we've been so screwed up with the scientism BS that we believe that we need scientific proof for everything as the only method to prove anything. So here's what I'm saying to that. And women know this. They know it automatically. You go with your intuition, your instinct, too. You go with your what your gut feeling is telling you, too. You go with what your feelings are, too. You yeah. check in with spiritual leaders and you check out what their thoughts are on that subject, too. You add it all together and then you yeah. come up with the position. But the position of just saying scientism is the only is the only angle there is, is completely absurd, totally ridiculous. And by the way, scientism is very, very strongly anti-magical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why we're in misery, by the way. That's exactly why we're in misery. Because we don't live in a magical reality. We live in a scientismic reality. We're all led by scientism clergy who are scientists who are they're eating out of vending machines they're working in totally. rectangular buildings it's it's you don't listen to a scientist tell you how to grow food i mean come on right and but that's exactly what we're doing you know as a collective anyways with genetically modified and engineered food like that's gonna save everybody from from hunger it's like we don't like that that's just a made-up story too it's, com- it's completely made up it's the latest it's the latest scam that the the aramonic satanic elite want to do. You know, and, and when I say this, you know, when people are like, what do you mean satanic elite? What are you what are you talking about? I'm talking about these people are evil. They do not have your best interest in mind. They are not trying to save you. They are trying to infiltrate anywhere where there's centralized control of power. Anywhere where centralized control leads to power, they will fanatically seek those positions, whether it's in a church, whether it's in a government, whether it's in an oil company, whether it's in a bank. These sociopaths have, who feel no empathy, so that's why I call them satanic, they don't have any blood that feels compassion – um, they will. They want power and control, so they seek out these these offices fanatically. And if you dig into who our leaders really are, you're going to find out that they're these kinds of people. And it's going to be interesting what's going to happen politically here in America coming up here shortly, because we're about to find out just how bad the corruption really is. It's going to be fascinating. If, yeah, I feel like all the veils, the Venetian blinds are all being pulled down and it's triggering a lot of people, right? A lot of people are having a hard time coming to terms with their own their own toxicity from a health perspective. They're coming to terms with their own kind of conscious um, departure, if you will, and they're having to face some strong reality. We all are. All of us are and we're dealing with it. I, I'm curious – from that perspective, moving forward, how do you deal with it, David, like in your personal life? Because you are holding a strong weight for the planet 
And you're also, I imagine people are constantly reaching out to you for help and all this kind of thing. How do you take care of yourself and keep yourself grounded and balanced? One of the things I like to do is just continue with the things that I know work for me. One of them, for example, is making sure I'm planting trees in the ground. I'm planting food forests at all times. I'm throwing, like yesterday, I threw two egg fruit seeds out the window of my car into a field where it's never really ever monitored there, so they have a chance of growing. So I do those things that I know bring me satisfaction and fulfillment like that. Um, I continue to run the Fruit Tree Planting Foundation where we plant tens of thousands of fruit trees all over the world and medicinal trees and nut trees uh, every weekend, almost every day. Um, so, you know, the weekends where, you know, I'm getting trolled by maniacs on the Internet and usually they're male and usually they're absolutely completely engulfed in scientism that, who, and they're not doing anything for the earth. Totally. Uh, what I'm doing is out there managing the planting of tens of thousands of fruit trees, nut trees and medicinal trees for the future. Mm. Um, so that's what that's what I do to keep myself grounded and to fight this evil. Another thing is just sticking with the yoga, sticking with the jujitsu, sticking with the boxing, the kickboxing, whatever it is, you know, the fitness protocols that I'm working with. I stick with it. Sticking with the drumming. I've stayed with drumming all these years. I was watching some great John Bonham licks last night. I'm going to be playing a whole lot of love at an upcoming chiropractor convention on the drums. And uh, so I had to, had to really get these licks down. So that was really fun. I stayed with that for, geez, it's getting up there. It's almost 30 years. Hmm. And I also just continue also deep breathing. I did 10 deep breaths in my room last night. Um, I had an ozone doctor staying with me here. So we we went deep on the ozone and all that research and all that all those treatments. And that was just wonderful. And what else? Keeping up with, with healthy relationships. So this is something very important over the years is that I've become very much like adamant that you're just truthful about all relationships and just everything the truth's just out on the table just can't live any other way and i've seen my friends family cousins who just weren't truthful and honest in their relationships and it didn't turn out well so i that's what i've been working on is just everything is just out on the table and i don't want to be carrying any kind of skeletons in the closet because it's just too much weight i've got too much to do and it's not worth it Oh, that's, you know, that's such a great point. I don't, I, I don't feel a lot of people in our industry really bring these matters up as much in terms of like the, the value of relationships and the value of actually like radical honesty, right? I know you were talking about that book many years ago. Um, and just the, the value of it to, to release the energetic weight off our chest, you know, because I feel like we carry a lot of that weight and it doesn't really matter what our diet is, right? Because if we're holding the weight or skeletons in the closet, as you said, it's going to age us in every sense of the phrase. Absolutely correct. And, and it eats at us and it can cause problems down the road. Unresolved emotional disturbances can lead to cancer, can lead to heart disease, can lead to stroke, can lead to all different kinds of health problems. And, and including back pain, including pain of any kind. And, and it's just important to just be a free-flowing energy system so you're not stuck in a lie. Totally, totally. There's a great phrase that you and our, uh, Steve Adler say quite often from Glenda Green, which is, death is a clearinghouse for false identities. Mm-hmm. That just came that up it. for me. <laughs> That was a great quote from Love Without End, which is Glenda Green's book, G- G- Love Without End, Jesus Speaks. 
and death is a clearinghouse for false identities. So what what is in that book is this idea that judgment and denial immediately re-precipitate in front of us the very thing we've judged and denied. <laughs> so so this is that thing that I've been saying about if you need to learn a lesson, it's going to show up in numerous ways repeatedly over and over again, as we know, and as basically as women know. Men don't really know this as well as women do. Women know that relationships are about learning. Women know that relationships are about understanding, oh, this is that same pattern again. I need to get out of this pattern or I need to get into this pattern. Um, it's, it's just interesting. I I think women are more spiritually developed than men as a general rule. That's been my observation. Mm, That's fascinating. I, um, for the sake of time, I want to, I want to jump into a few of these, these like really juicy questions I have for you. Um, and I think you might've alluded to this one a little bit, but I just want to phrase it out to you and, and let you take it from here, which is what do you feel it is that actually drives you to continue powering through your your mission in the world and, and really just holding that bright light of positivity despite all the challenges and all the, the, monarchy, the malarkey and all the, the quote-unquote judgments that you faced in your journey. I'm just curious, like what is that thing that like you feel like continues to power you through? Well, it's, it's success. I mean, it's just the success of what we've been doing all these years is working. It's getting out there regardless of the trolling, the spammers, the haters. It doesn't matter. They're a very small percentage of the overall picture. In fact, they're almost insignificant. Mm. A few thousand people versus millions, tens of millions, or even hundreds of millions. Mm. We reach through Facebook hundreds of millions of people every week, every week. So the trolls and the haters are really nothing. So it's the success of actually getting the message out there that people are listening and that we're able to develop a conversation that wasn't there before. In the old days, it was raw foods. It was wild foods. It was gardening. It was all the thing. You know, it was wild food um, foraging. You know, all the things we loved back in the in the old days. But today, it's much more sophisticated and advanced. Now we're presenting information, you know, what RFK, for example, RFK Jr., and his whole take on vaccines. You know, now I'm able to get that message out there, and I'm able to get the message out there about what's going on with the CDC and the corruption in the CDC. Mm-hmm. I'm able to get messages out there about um, what's happened with the um, GMO problem in our in our world. So it's it's become bigger and and more important and and more mainstream as a result of that all as well. So that just drives me. I just love that being able to get a message out there that needs a voice. Uh, the, the, that is the thing for sure that drives me more than anything. If there's something out there that I feel needs a voice, I'll give it a voice. Mm. Mm. That's beautiful. Cool. So let me pivot here and let's jump into detoxification for a minute. This is one of my favorite subjects and I really always enjoy your perspectives and just the new research that you bring to this conversation. So maybe you can share some of the most interesting research or strategies that you've been diving into recently. Okay. I've really been on the charcoal trip. In fact, I'm drinking a charcoal noni drink right now. So charcoal is a detoxification agent is unmatched. And what's interesting, this brings us back to what, what, I'm, what I've been saying about giving a voice to a message that needs to be out there. It is known and has been known for a long time that charcoal is the number one longevity substance for in animal research. 
No question. That's just a known fact. Um, if you want mice to live a long time in a laboratory, you feed them charcoal. If, you, if the mice are ill, you feed them charcoal to get them well. It's just known. But we don't know that. We never heard that. No one's ever even heard anything about that. What a shocker. And when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about activated charcoal, regular hardwood charcoal, and some of the interesting charcoal products out there, like the C60 products. These are the dominant longevity breakthroughs of all time. These are more intense breakthroughs than stem cells. They're more intense breakthroughs than any food or nutrient. What a shocking discovery. So I'm on the charcoal pretty much every day in some form or another, and that just helps my body to detoxify. The research indicates that detoxification is what ages, is what keeps us young, and toxification is what ages us, mm-hmm. and, that's, and that's primary. That's before anything else. And natural metabolism, even if we were cavemen, even though we never were cavemen, but let's just say we were, <laughs> let's say we go back way back when there was no industry, just our metabolic toxins that build up on us yeah. is what gets us in the end, and charcoal is the best way to get those metabolic toxins out yeah that that's i mean the charcoal has been something on my radar for at least four or five years and in the last two years especially i've just been doing it pretty much every single day and and i even to the point where the zeolites and even the bentonite clays and all that kind of thing have um they're still there on my radar but they're not there like charcoal is charcoal is there every single day every morning, every evening. And it's one of the number one things besides like salt water that I recommend to all my clients. Like it's it's super easy, super inexpensive. And I'm starting to realize as a nutritionist that um, as I become more sophisticated, I've actually simplified everything. I've actually learned that I can really simplify my own approach and diet and I can really simplify my clients and the people that I'm speaking to by giving them things that are, like you said, that are universal, that are available to everybody. And that actually, funny enough, tend to be the most inexpensive things. Universality is a very strong indicator of truth. Universality is a very strong indicator of truth. If something is universally available, like water, salt, charcoal, then it's going to indicate that that's the way to go. Always when we think about nutrition, we have to think about everybody, not just our little niche of the world or our little corner of the world. We need to think about everybody. And if something is only available to a few people, it can't be in alignment with the greater truth. If something is available to everybody, it can be in alignment with the greater truth and therefore is a good recommendation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm kind of I'm really curious just in, in whatever comes up out of this, but as far as raw living foods goes, like I'm just curious like where you're personally at with that message, where how has that shifted in your personal life? Obviously in our own all of our approaches. Um, as we change, our nutrition strategy obviously changes with the times and your you know your your uh I, 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 I'm almost hesitant to say, um, but you're 46 now, correct? That's correct. That's almost incredible. That's amazing for me to even say, like, I remember like getting into this almost 10 years ago. So I'm just like, wow, it's really been like a decade. Okay. Amazing. Um, first of all, let me just ask you that question. Um, how does that feel for you? Well, let's get onto the raw living foods piece and then I'll I'll tell you how I'm feeling right now. Sure. Sure. Um, 
Okay, so the raw living foods is is just a fundamental message. It's what's natural. It's what's normal. It's what's out there in nature. It's kind of an everyday understanding that we we should have. We should be aware that natural foods in their original natural state have very strong healing effects and reconnection effects. They reconnect us to greater, wider truths of nature, and they help us to discover what's right for us. Raw and living foods is a very good litmus test for what's the right diet for us mm. because it, it clears everything else away. And it it's just like, oh, it's just avocado. Oh, it's just olives. Oh, it's just oranges. Oh, it's just lettuce. So it helps you to identify what you need and what you like. And it may be that you don't like raw and living foods, but you don't know that unless you try it because raw and living foods is such a great litmus test. It teaches you. It tells your body, okay, this is we're going to do good on this percentage of cooked food or this percentage of raw food. And you have, once you have that understanding, you realize, oh, okay, when I eat raw and living foods, I have more energy. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like my skin is clear. Everything is brighter and happier. And, and that's just a fundamental understanding. Where I'm at with it is – if I didn't have those fundamentals of fasting and just living on a few different fruits in a day, like the other day we did a fast and I ate just wild food all day, wild guavas, that's it, um, and water. Not, not even that much water. I probably should add more water. And and also a little bit of wild orange. We found a wild orange tree, which is great. So squeeze a little bit of that juice. And, and that's just a great thing to know about. It's just a wonderful way to live so that you can live in harmony and, and happiness without all this food weighing you down because food does – is heavy. It weighs us down, especially as we age. And to get back to lighter and brighter is always better. Um, I don't eat 100 percent living foods. I eat – and I don't eat 100 percent vegan foods because you know I do consume things like pearl, deer antler – um, as long as they're extracted without killing, and I do consume goat's cheese, um, and I just got sick of nuts and seeds. I couldn't eat them anymore. Yeah. I just was like reached a, <laughs> a metabolic limit, mm-hmm. and and therefore, you know, I've learned over the years that you know you have to be kind and gentle with yourself, kind and gentle with others, and give people the options that are harmonious and also ethical, and, and then feel what. What they do with those those choices. For example, if somebody's willing to eat fish versus some factory farmed chicken, great. Let's totally. let's get them on a wild salmon or something, and you just you just work them to a, a point where they feel like they're making improvements in their diet and they're um, making ethical and moral choices. That's a really really great point and perspective, and that's one thing that I've really tried to instill in people that I talk to too is that. You know, there's all this kind of um, extremism, right? There's a there's a there's a yes or no. It has to be this way or that way, and it's really like no, it doesn't have to be. It's it's people can be allowed to make incremental changes as they see fit. Like you just said, I would way rather somebody um, be doing anything that's that's better for them than eating like out of the factory farm. Um, industrial model and just from just investing in that model whatsoever opposed to like getting a wild piece of fish or something like it's just like it makes much more sense and it's I think people respond to that and on a final note I think that that is one of the things in the beginning of this call I was pointing out something that makes you very unique in my eyes um Whereas a lot of people are in our industry are very stuck to their philosophy, their paradigm, or their message, and they're unwilling to encompass more diversity 
And that's one of the things I've seen you with the longevity conferences, especially, is that there's people from all kinds of walks of life, all dietary backgrounds and experiments and everything. And it invites everybody to have a conversation imposed to, you know, this being a vegan conference or a raw food conference or, or whatever have you. My, my experience in the raw food field, the vegan field, and, and vegetarian world has indicated to me that it, it's inhabited by large amounts of fanatical people. <sighs> um, and it's, it's just that same old fanaticism that drives scientism, that drives all the BS, that's caused all the problems in the world. The inability – it comes down to this. The inability to accept, based on the data, another conclusion. Wow. Right. So, for example, you, we look at all the data. You come up with one conclusion. I come up with another. And, and we just need to be able to sit with that. But for whatever reason, these these fanatics, whether they're Internet trolls, whether they're meat eating fanatics, vegan fanatics, whatever, these fanatics can't accept that somebody else can come to a different conclusion based on the same data. Mm-hmm. It's just it's 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 a an aberration of consciousness and it's a, it's a learning process that we're going through to help us survive fanaticism. We, we have been the victims of the Inquisition. We've been the, the victims of crazy wars, all fanatical wars driven by fan, fanatical people. The Middle East conflict going on right now run by absolute fanatics on both sides, all sides. Mm. These people are not normal. They are fanatical. They don't accept other evidence that isn't in alignment with their predisposed belief systems. Mm, that's an incredible distinction. And one of the one of the things you said in that is we just have to sit with it. And this is a principle part of like the whole synchronicity trip is like sometimes we just have to sit with things and ruminate and contemplate opposed to react and and try to fix something right that's this is um this is a very important thing like men want to fix it totally women don't need it to be fixed they just need it to discuss it and this is why we're coming to an age where women are going to start dominating society and civilization because men can't hold two opposing views at the same time, mm-hmm. most of the time. They can't accept that there's not a universal law of, of the universe that holds it all together. It, they can't accept that the, the fundamental incongruency of different forces in nature that are not part of a universal overarching force can exist. Right. So that's my position, by the way. It is also Steiner's position. It is also Victor Schauberger's position that there is a fundamentally the universe cannot be described by a universal law. Like we can't the universal constant or whatever these people are trying to get to the universal particle or whatever that is is completely absurd. It's opposed to nature. There are conflicting forces in nature. Yeah. Many of them, mm-hmm. and 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 there there are conflicting forces in our own lives that we know about. Right. We'll see evidence that goes one way. We'll see evidence that goes another way. We might make choices based on our best evidence, but that doesn't mean it's the absolute truth. It just means that that's the best that we can come up with right now. It's it's we we have a saying. We say, as far as we know now. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As far as we know now. That's perfect. 
And I, I was just thinking as you were sharing that about the, the difference between men and women, it, apparently women have a bigger corpus callosum in between the right and left hemisphere of the brain. So that tells me that they're able to hold mutually opposing ideas and they can actually hold it opposed to men for maybe it's a neurological thing. Maybe it's a karmic thing. I don't know, but it, that's always fascinating. Just looking at the kind of the neurology of it. I feel like there's something that needs to be said here. And this is important because we are headed to one in every two people born in, in America being autistic. That's the statistic that's coming. That's what the um, MIT statistician in Vaxxed has presented to us. And it looks like it's mathematically at least reasonably on target. Four out of five of those children born of the one out of every two, four out of five that are autistic are male. So what we're headed towards is almost every male born is going to be autistic in America if, if we keep going this way. Now, why is that? Well, the male brain is requires a little bit more modification than the female brain because we're fundamentally female and then we, we right. evolve into a male. And therefore, there's more problems can go wrong with a male than a female. And that's why more men are, are autistic than women are. And, and we're seeing – I see and identify in trolling behavior on the, online because I'm – I, you know, again, I, I reach hundreds of millions of people every week on Facebook, so I, I see what's going on with trolling behavior. It's predominantly male. It's definitely very strongly scientismic, which means that they are fanatically bought into scientism as a religion, and they cannot possibly accept that someone can think differently than they do. And that's that's autism. It's it's the it's like an Asperger's situation. They can't. They have they've lost the plasticity of mind. Mm. Yeah, I remember hearing that statistic a few times from the movie, from the last longevity conference with um, Dale Bigtree, and it's actually like. Um, I was hanging out with your cousin Christopher in the back room, actually. I remember the moment when I was listening to Dell Bigtree talk about just the reality hit me, and I started crying. I'll just be honest. I started crying. Like, I had to sit down and, like, take it in because I just, like, realized, like, wow, this is this is such an overwhelmingly serious situation that I literally, I don't even know what to do. Like I feel I actually felt in that moment kind of powerless, but at the same time, kind of hopeful that I chose the right mission. Um, However, I just wanted to kind of say that to just kind of, um, I don't know, just to illuminate how big of a deal this is. It's a very, very big deal because what happens when those autistic children become adults and the parents die? And they're gone. You know, they, who's going to take care of those autistic kids? What's going to happen? In Britain, we've already seen a case where um, a mother of an autistic child took her life and then her child's life because she was at the end of her life. She was going to die of old age anyway. And she took her child's life, too, because no one was going to take care of that child. So she wanted to go out together. We're going to see much, much more of this. And it's going to become much more blatant. As much as we hear, though, there's no connection between autism and vaccines. There is a connection between autism and vaccines, and it's not going away. And the connection is the adjuvants, the aluminum, the mercury, the polysorbate 20, the polysorbate 80, the formaldehyde, those compounds are more straws on the camel's back. And when a child gets injected with just too much of toxins, 
They've already been breathing in toxins. They've already been eating toxins. Their mother's milk is filled with toxins. They're raised on GMO baby food. And then as soon as they get that extra dose of toxins, it breaks the camel's back. And this is, by the way, that position where I just described, for some reason, the scientism clergy cannot understand nor accept that that is a legitimate explanation to what's going on. They cannot understand or comprehend. Listen, listen to this. They cannot understand or comprehend the concept of the straw that broke the camel's back. That's how gnarly the situation right. is. Right. Yeah. That that's so fat. You know, it's so funny because I was just thinking as you're saying that the compounded effect of toxicity. That's what that is, is that people people say all the time, like, oh, well, you know, pesticides and herbicides and all that kind of thing, like, they're no big deal. I, I take that in all the time, and look at me, I'm just fine. And it's like, ooh, yeah, but the straw that breaks the camel's back is right around the corner. Like, I, I've seen it all the time. You've seen it. We've all seen it where somebody looks relatively healthy for 40 or 50 years but one day it all falls apart and they look like they've they've you know with cancer you know it's like it just incubates for 20 or 30 years and then one day everything falls apart yeah or they find out they have a seven pound lymphoma or Mm. some brain tumor an inoperable brain tumor and then it's like oh oops oops so we we are doing the you know that work you and i ronnie and everyone else in our field is doing that work to try to wake people up and and be in the preventative side and it's very important that we focus on the preventative side because as soon as we get into we're healing curing any of that business that's god's work that's not our work that's God's work. So we don't want to get there because if, as soon as we start using those words, then the pharmaceutical industry, the the powers that be inside the CDC, government trolls, trolls will be all over us because, you know, you, no one can heal except the hospital. No one can heal except the doctor. No one can heal, you know, that business. And they they basically cornered us with the Orwellian newspeak. Mm. Right. They, they, we can't say you can't in any way hint that somebody could heal themselves. That's yeah. that would be illegal. Well, OK. Um, well, <laughs> doctors are telling people that they're going to die. Is that illegal? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's not funny, but I but it kind of is in a really it, sad it, way. It, yeah, no, it's 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 your reaction is, is an honest reaction. It's so ridiculous it's beyond, our whole situation is upside down and backwards, and and now we're finding that out that everything we thought was true is false, and everything we thought was false is true. Uh, that's um, is that part of the fourteen dilemma? A, a fourteen dilemma is when you're presented with information or evidence that doesn't fit the conventionalized scientific mm. view or any kind of conventionalized view. It can't actually be fitted into anything. And that's a that's a fourteen dilemma. Is, uh, and, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and maybe maybe what you're saying is true. Maybe that it, maybe we are in a fourteen dilemma where everything is so backwards we can't even fit into a world. <laughs> like, oh my god, somebody healed themselves with by eating better. That, that can't be true. Oh my god. And we're doing we're doing our best. At, we're trying to use any type of language or or anything to somehow describe human reality. I think it was uh, Frederick Nietzsche though. That was what I was pointing to is you, you had mentioned a quote a while back about um, basically whatever it is, it's backwards. It's like if everyone's going one way, you go the other way. 
It was um, Nietzsche was saying this is 25 years ago. I read this and it was in one of his books. I think it was Beyond Good and Evil. And he says, take what is that, whatever is written in newspapers and magazines and exactly reverse it. And there you will have the truth. It's amazing. It's so true. It just seems it's a great navigation compass. Is this world it is, is very confusing. You. Reverse what you're hearing on mainstream media and you'll have the truth almost every single day. You're going to have the exact truth. Re- reverse what the president is telling you. Reverse what the Congress is telling you. Reverse what mainstream leaders of countries are telling you and there you'll have the exact truth. And when you do that, you're going to come to some astonishing conclusions. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, I wanna I wanna um, change gears a little bit with the with the time we have. What you know for everyone that's listening, um, what would you say are like the top tips that you would give people in their health quest? And this is a super general type of question, um, but with your experience, you've you've heard every single story under the sun. You know where most people are at. So I'm just curious, like. What do you feel like would be the most valuable pieces of of advice for people? Well, first things first is drinking water in the morning. Yes. Get up, drink a liter of water in the morning. I've been advising people to do that for 20 years. It's incredible the feedback I still get on that piece of advice and what it's done for people in their lives. Drink a liter of pure water every morning before anything else, before coffee, before tea, before anything, just to get hydrated. Mm -hmm. And also, it's very important to, uh, to get the metabolites from yesterday's food, yesterday's um, neurotransmitters. In fact, the neurotransmitters that are causing us to be drowsy, Mm. it's very important to pee those out, to urinate those out so that we can wake up. Mm. Next thing thing I would say is a lot of people in, in our culture and the way we're culturally oriented are very into fitness. And I'd recommend instead of just going to the gym, get into a yoga class. Yeah. Switch it up, switch it up into a yoga class and then start studying yoga and the yogic eight limb system and then yogic nutrition and yogic nutrition has thousands of years of history behind it. It's not going to change. It's one of the it's one of the most beautiful strategies of healing there is because it involves eating lighter and involves eating vegetarian foods. It involves eating vegan foods. It involves eating raw foods. It involves cleansing our colon. That's another big one, too, is doing a cleanse and a detox in the beginning just to cleanse and detox your body. Do a heavy metal cleanse and detox. Get the charcoal and start to detox your body. And then that's going to create an awareness of like, oh, whoa, what's going on? Um, With the ozone doctor we had over here, um, we're doing ozone treatments. And still, even after all these years, you get an ozone treatment, you're detoxifying for 20 minutes to an hour, and it's full on. The first two treatments I got, I actually had to come up and like lay down for an hour. That's that's amazing. After all these years, that's how toxic the world is. That's how toxic we are. And it's just metabolism with the food um, debris on it. You know, who knows what's what's gotten onto that food has been transported to us with our own, um, you know, air and and water that's of dubious quality these days. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what I'm hearing you say is, is focusing on hydration and focusing on detoxification. Yes. First. And then that way you create an awareness, a lightness of being. So you go, Oh wait, I don't want to go back to eating like 
some kind of fast food pizza stuff or some hamburger, you start to become aware. Like a friend of mine, let me tell you a friend of mine is very, very successful guy, very wealthy guy. Um, you know, from, he's just basically worked his way all the way up, started with nothing, family had nothing. And, and I hung out with him in Toronto recently and it was amazing. He, he finally, everything finally clicked for him. He's like, Whoa, I've got everything. I've got the family. I've got the kids. I got everything. I've got the health right now, but I can't be smoking these one to two packs of cigarettes every day, commercial cigarettes. I can't be eating this food anymore. And just from hanging around us for four or five days, he eradicated all the garbage out of his, out of his cabinets, all the GMO food, everything went a hundred percent organic went totally superfoods, his whole cupboard's filled with superfoods, picked up a Nutribullet, I could have sent him one, but he picked <laughs> up before I could even send him one, and, uh, and just went for it. And that's what's happening all over the place. People are waking up mm. because they have a, an inkling. Actually, I think the thing that woke him up was one morning we all got up, we had a very busy business day, all in different places, and it was about eight of us maybe staying at this house. It was actually famous the house of a famous comedian i'm not gonna say who but it was it was really amazing. <laughs> we're like eight of us staying in this house of this famous comedian in toronto super fun we get up in the morning and and i'm like okay charcoal boom so we do heavy doses of charcoal everybody with water first thing in the morning so we did a lot of water then charcoal with water and then everybody went about their business at the end of that day everybody was like my god my head was clear i didn't need stimulants i didn't need to actually get the coffee it was all those kind of stuff all that kind of comments and that i think that's what got to him i think he went oh my god he got 12 bags of charcoal after that and i'm not talking about capsules i'm talking about bulk yeah that's how berserk he went do you feel with the charcoal? Um, do you do it in the capsules, or do you do you um, undo the capsules, or just do straight powder? Oh, I do straight powder at this yeah. point. Every now and then, I mean, I travel with capsules just in case in a pinch it's needed, or say somebody has an upset stomach. For example, um, Boo the other day had an upset stomach, and he took fifteen capsules of the charcoal, and boom! In the middle of the night, he was sorted out. He was up at five in the morning. He was able to get a cure to a tournament. Um, that, so I do keep the capsules with me, but I rarely use them. I almost always use the powder. You just said 15 capsules. Most people I talk to like have this wide eyed look when I say like six or eight, you just said 15. I just want everyone to hear that. Yeah, that's what, because he had a very bad stomach bug and was very ill Mm. and he had a stomach flu basically. And if you want to absorb that stuff and stop it in his tracks, you need to take take charcoal until it stops, and it will stop. Now, if you're completely new and you've never taken charcoal before, then then you start small. But Boo has taken charcoal before. He knows, and he, he just kept going until it stopped, and it fortunately did stop. Mm. Got it. Okay, so we're, we're closing in here, and there's two questions I want to ask you. Um, before we, we click out. So I'll go with this one first. The, according to your experience and your observations over your life, what do you believe is the true secret to longevity beyond, beyond all the kind of corollary factors of diet and lifestyle and all that kind of thing? What do you really believe it is? Good question. It, it definitely has something to do with congruent behavior, living your mission. Mm. I've seen and I saw it early mm. on famous musicians who were well along in their life 
as soon as they started playing that instrument, as soon as they started leading that orchestra, they became younger. Oh, yeah. They became younger. I saw that as a child. I was like, whoa, that's people who are arthritic. I remember seeing this one famous pianist who was in his 90s and his fingers were arthritic and he could barely move his fingers until he started playing the piano. Whoa. (laughs) And then he was tearing it up. It was like, what? It just was one of those things that like rocks you. Um, Buddy Rich, you know, when he was when he got to the point of being his mid late 60s and, you know, he's just tearing it up on the drums beyond any drummer in the world until his death, I think, in 1987. You know, even the young guys, he's just tearing it up. It's like, how could this guy be doing this at that age? It has to do with doing what you, what you love. So that's, I think, the secret to immortality. you got to do what you love, love what you do. When all your work is play, you'll never have to work another day. Yes. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so glad you went there with it. I was feeling that same thing. Um, okay, so here's my next question, and I have a sneaking suspicion it's going to be a relatively similar answer, but let's go for it. Again, same question, although what do you believe is the true secret of success in life? Ooh, good one. It's a, it's a similar you, – you have to um, live your dream. And then when you've lived your dream and you are living your dream, there is it, and you achieve your goals. So you set goals, you get goals, and you live your dream. And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. Mm. And it's it's an energy. I really felt it. I feel it in two ways in particular, three ways. One is the Fruit Tree Planting Foundation and what we've done all these years with the hundreds of thousands of trees we've planted for children all over the world. That brings you a sense of fulfillment that is unmatched and can't be beat. Another one that comes up for me is the Nutribullet Project and how I scripted that out 20 years ago and, and didn't know how it would happen. The internet didn't even exist then back when I wrote those original infomercials out for the, the blender I wanted to sell on TV. And, and then it all came together and, and you know sold wow. millions of blenders, the best blender in the world. And that is, is – I feel some level of fulfillment that's amazing that I know when I talk to kids and I tell them you can achieve your dreams, I know how it works because I have achieved that dream. Another one that's very important is this whole thing of growing your own food and, and growing things. That has been a big one for me. It's, it brings a deep level of fulfillment. It's, it's amazing to me absolutely one of the best aspects of, of life for sure and that's another piece of it that's another piece of the puzzle Ooh. you know what just came up too as you're sharing this um is you know part of our conversation earlier was a little bit more about the reality and kind of the harder truths of what's going on in the world and i love how this just kind of went through a, a beautiful conclusion of of just uh, this beautiful energy ultimately uh, I guess ultimately what I'm trying to communicate is that it went in it was, it was like kind of like an epic drama you know it, it reminded me of just what I love about movies and what I love about life is that life is just the ultimate movie and it's a virtual experience that we're getting to experience 
the roller coaster of spectrum, you know, the full spectrum of life. And that's kind of what this conversation just just kind of I just kind of got wafted with it of like, wow, we went through this kind of like this roller coaster and now it, it it leveled out into this beautiful message of hope and inspiration and really hope for the future. There's so much hope for the future. I think we're winning, by the way. I want to say that in, mm. I think in closing and to bring it all to, to a final conclusion, we are winning. We are winning. Evil is backing off. They, they, they're going to try to tighten it up because they're losing power. And so they've infiltrated like a parasite into the very roots of civilization. And in removing that evil, we are going to experience some tumultuous experiences that you go through when you detoxify. Yes. And we're winning. We're starting to identify what this evil is. We're starting to understand what it's done to us. We're starting to understand what we need to do to save ourselves. We're starting to understand what happiness really is about, what fulfillment is really about, what it is to have good feelings in your body all the time. All of that equals winning. Winning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I I love having these conversations with you. So grateful for you. So happy you came on the show. Um, Obviously, people can go to your website, davidwolf.com. Is there any other resources or anything else that you want to tell everybody? You can always find my latest on my Facebook site, David Avocado Wolf on Facebook, A-V-O-C-A-D-O, by the way. And we put out a video every day. We put out all kinds of content. It's a lot of work. It's also a lot of fun. And and we, we like to bring it to you know the, the, the sane and, and normal all the way to the super controversial and everything in between. And we have a lot of fun too. It's there's a lot of laughs if you really tune in on what we're doing. It's great. Yeah, fantastic. One last note I wanna say this this term just came up in my mind and this I think really uh for me just concludes this whole thing and just really how I see you too and what inspires me about you is that you're like a spectrum specialist you don't just hang out in one little corner of nutrition or or whatever like you go through the spectrum and you help bring it to all of us so super grateful right on thank you I love researching and I love investigating and I love being the detectives that I saw on TV when I was a kid, the Kojaks, mm. you know, the, um, the, um, Columbo's that's, mm. that's what I love. And I love taking that into re- nutrition. Yes. Into longevity. Yes. But also other subjects. Yeah. Which, which we love you for. Thank you so much for, for joining me and joining us for this conversation. It was truly of epic proportions. Thank you, Ronnie. Keep up the great work, and thanks for doing the show, and thanks for all the work you do for people out there in the world. You are a superhero. Mm, Thank you.